oh shit, the director of Kong versus um, Godzilla versus Kong. Do you know what the last thing he directed was? No. The Netflix adaptation of Death Note. Oh dear. But you also did The Guest with Dan, Dan Stevens. Oh, that's fucking wicked. Fun. I haven't seen it. It's oh, good. it's so good. I think I've seen it. It's on one of the streaming services, either on Netflix it or... It used to be on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore. I've got it around it. Yeah, no, I do want to watch that. I've heard it's good. Uh, it's probably in the collection somewhere. Um, yeah, that's really good. Anyway. Anyway. <coughs> Hello and welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch. My name is Tom, as one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Dom. Say hello, mate. Hello. So we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. And we understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective of some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series, including plot summaries, analysis and behind-the-scenes trivia. This week, we begin a new grand rewatch of the Monsterverse. I think that is the official title, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. By watching the 2017 movie Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Starring so many people, I can't be fucked to name them all. That's fair enough. Uh, yeah, so we're starting with Kong Skull Island, which is actually... So it's a bit the weird. Second. It's the second one. So we do this in a bit of a weird way whenever we do these grand rewatches. And we haven't had to do it too much so far because of all the ones we've covered have been fairly sequential. Mm -hmm. But with this one, we're wanting to cover them in chronological order because the idea is that they, yeah, they should build on one another. And like, if they, do they fit together properly? If you watch them in the proper chronological order, that's the question. And this one they do. But what it means is we're going to be watching and talking about Kong Skull Island first. And then we're going to do a second episode, which is about Godzilla, which is the Godzilla movie, which came out in 2014. Um, But the idea is, these movies are actually part of a shared universe, which the monster, the monster verse, and like for for my money, I think it's the it might be the only other shared universe other than Marvel that has worked so far. I mean, they've only done two films, so it could... yeah. But... I mean, I was going to say about all those, um, uh, like I don't know if they're all the Blumhouse ones, but all the James Wan. Produced horror films. That They're are all, all, are they all connected in the same universe though? Yeah, so it's are like they? The Conjuring and Annabelle and The Nun and all of those. Oh, that's right. Aren't they up. all? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, they aren't they? So mine's. I don't. I've only watched a couple of them. I think I've seen the first Conjuring, but isn't it like in the Conjuring you see a nun and you see the doll Annabelle and the idea is they've spun off those characters. Yeah. So into their own. So it's yeah. Okay. And it's not that. Yeah. So they're all. Things that exist within the same universe. So, like, at some point, this artifact is placed, is given to some people mm. and is placed in this sort of like artifact museum. Yeah. And at, that's where Annabelle is as okay. well, or will be, or something. All right. Well, maybe it's one of three then. One of, th- <laughs> one of three shared universes that work. Um, but this one, yeah, it's, it's subtle and it's, um, well, no, it's not that. Like, it's not subtle, is it? It's not It's a wrong way. It's one, a one, 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 by saying, gorilla. Yeah, but by saying subtle, what I mean is it's there are the normal moviegoers might not necessarily know that they're connected. Yeah, they wouldn't equate them to be in the same Because they are yet. completely different movies, and it sort of just shows to me that it's always something that I've talked about in terms of um, DC and showing that you don't have to have one tone 
for the whole thing. You can have one that's a really like balls of the wall fun popcorn movie, yeah, and one that's a really dark and serious like drama, and they can both be in the same shared universe. Yeah, they don't have to be like it's possible to do it, and these movies show it. So Kong Skull Island is just good fun, but it's mental. Um, but before we carry on and talk about what we think about it, I'm going to do a rundown. Um, and I'm going to do my best to to keep it succinct, but there's so many characters in this movie and I'm not going to end up mentioning all of them because there's just too many. None of them matter. No, it's the... Not a single person in this film has any effect (laughs) on anything that happens in this film. Yeah, but neither Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark, so... Mm, Let's... Let's... Not take that Big Bang Theory too far seriously, shall we? Let's. It's not. No, it's hang on. That theory didn't come from the Big Bang Theory, did no, it? But it became popularized, and it makes me very mad. Okay. Anyway, so, <laughs> so Kong Skull Island. <laughs> the film opens mid-air during a World War II dogfight between an American and Japanese fighter planes. Both pilots fall from the sky, and after a brief confrontation on a beach, a foot chase ensues, leading to a cliff edge. As the two men fight over a knife, a giant hand appears quickly followed by its owner, an enormous gorilla who towers over the two men. Cut to titles. Over the title montage, we see the years progress from the Second World War through to 1973. Cut to Washington, where we meet scientists Randa, played by John Goodman, and Brooks, played by Corey Hawkins. They're from the mysterious organisation known as Monarch. We can tell this is where they're from thanks to the eye-catching gold lettering on a briefcase announcing them as members of a secret government organisation. The two men are on their way to meet a senator to ask for funding and resources for an expedition to the newly discovered Skull Island. After it's implied that the pesky Russians could beat America to any resources on the island, the senator reluctantly agrees. Cut to a Vietnam army base. Colonel Packard, played by Samuel L. Jackson, is overseeing his men's withdrawal from Vietnam. While most of the men are happy to be going home, Packard seems dejected. Toby Kebbell turns up and tells us that he's got a son at home, therefore ensuring his survival for the duration of the film and beyond. As the men are about to leave, the colonel gets a phone call asking him to fly an escort mission for the Skull Island. In Saigon, Rando and Brooks recruit a tracker called James Conrad, played by a horribly miscast Tom Hiddleston, who proves he's a hard man by poking a man with a long stick. (laughs) After some obligatory haggling over his fee, Conrad agrees to go on the mission. In a dark room, we're quickly introduced to a photographer, Mason Weaver, played by Brie Larson, who is also recruited for the exposition over the phone, because every classified military mission needs a photographer. With the crew finally assembled, we board a ship headed for Skull Island. In a briefing scene, Brooks and some blue-uniformed Landsat scientists explain that the best way to explore the island is to blow it up using seismic charges, which makes perfect sense. It turns out there's a storm surrounding Skull Island, and while the cowardly scientist wants to abort the mission, a determined Rander thinks they should break on through to the other side. Ah, uh-huh. ah, uh-huh. it's very clever. Ah, uh-huh. that's actually a line. That's actually what they say. It's for uh, anyway. Um, a million helicopters take off from the ship and break through the storm to find a beautiful but deadly Skull Island. Without further ado, they begin dropping bombs and blasting out Black Sabbath because Nam was awesome. Somehow, a 100-foot gorilla is able to sneak up on the helicopters and starts attacking them, killing every soldier who hasn't had a line yet. One by one, the helicopters crash, and we're left with three groups of survivors. Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson and the scientists, Packard, Randa and the soldiers, and Toby Kebbell, all on his lonesome. 
Packer confronts Randa, who admits that proving the existence of giant monsters has been his obsession ever since he survived the attack of the USS Lawton by a mysterious beast 30 years ago. The Colonel radios Toby Kebble, who has a load of explosives at his helicopter crash site, and tells him to stay where he is and the team are headed to his location. Tom Henderson says something about clicks, proving he's a tracker, and leads his team through the jungle. Packard's group are attacked by a big spider crab thing and it's brutal. Meanwhile, Hiddleston's group come across to some indigenous people. Before it all kicks off, a wild John C. Riley appears. It turns out that Riley's character, Hank Marlowe, is in fact the World War II pilot seen at the start of the film and he's been stranded on Skull Island for the last 28 years. Marlowe gives a bunch of exposition about the island. It turns out the ape is called Kong and he is the protector of the island and the people who live there. Kong defends them against a species called the Skull Crawlers, lizard creatures who live underground and have now been awakened by the bombs dropped by the newcomers. Poor old Toby Kebble is left to wander around on his own for a while before he's killed by one of the Skull Crawlers in a shocking twist. Meanwhile, Marlowe sets the team to work on a makeshift boat that he's been constructing. Over some banter, the crew get the boat up and running. Following the river, Hiddleston's team are able to meet up with Packard and the soldiers. An argument ensues about what to do next. While most people want to head to the pre-arranged extraction point at the north end of the island, Packard is determined to kill Kong, using the munitions on Kebble's down helicopter. Eventually, the team head out to find Kebble and the munitions, but have to pass through a graveyard of Kong's ancestors, where they are attacked by the Skullcrawlers. Randa is unceremoniously eaten. Among the carnage, Hiddleston finds Kebble's dog tags, proving there is no need to save him. Packard is having none of it, and insists on going after the explosives anyway so he can kill Kong. The crew splits up again, with the soldiers following their commander and Hiddleston taking the civilians. That night, Hiddleston and Larson have the obligatory bond with the beast scene, looking lovingly into Kong's eyes. Kong is called away by an explosion, and Hiddleston and Larson resolve to save him from Packard. There's a big showdown by the lake, and Kong is almost killed by Packard before the good guys come and rescue him. All the commotion has woken up the big skull crawler. As the humans run away, a wounded Kong springs into action to save the day, squashing Packard on the way up. Suddenly, it's daytime, and one of the soldiers, Cole, decides to make a sacrifice play to keep, keep away the chasing skull crawler. Hilariously, the skull crawler simply bats him away with his tail. A big fight slash chase ensues. Long story short, Kong kicks some ass, and everyone gets away as the helicopters fly in. In a surprisingly touching end credit sequence, Marlowe is reunited with his wife and son, enjoying the American tradition of a hot dog, a beer, and a ball game. In a post credit scene, Hilson and Larson are being interrogated by a two-way mirror. A giant logo on the wall tells us that we are at Monarch headquarters, as Brooks and Sand burst in with some folders. They dramatically reveal that Kong isn't the only king out there, as a slideshow projects images of cave drawings hinting at classic movie monsters Mothra, Rodan, Ghidorah, and Godzilla. As the screen fades to black, Godzilla's trademark roar plays us out. Woo! Woo! I like this film. It is really good, isn't it? Well, it's, it's good fun. It's like. Yeah. Okay. It's, not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Oh, I don't it's know. great fun. It's little with issues, and yeah, I think the biggest one being that there's far too many people in it. Yeah, but that's, you know, it's, there's fucking loads of people in it. Apparently everybody's got a story. Yeah, but they don't, though. They don't, bother, they don't flesh out any of the story. That's the thing. No. I, and like, I can't... Get, my biggest thing with it is Hiddleston is so horribly miscast. 
Like he's just this weird, this posh little English man in the middle of the jungle. That he's a tracker, is he? Is he? He's, he's he a, used to be in the SAS. <clears throat> okay, did he? Like I, I don't believe anything about it. I think, and part of it is to do with him, and then a big part of it is this shows you the importance of costuming because he runs around the entire movie wearing a little baby gap blue t-shirt, and he doesn't in any way look like a mercenary. Do you know what I mean? He just looks like. <laughs> It's fucking mad. And I'll tell, tell you what it reminded me of. It finally clicked as I was watching it this time is that because we talked about um, this movie ages ago. But Predators. Mm. In that, you've got Adrian Brody, yeah. who is a similar... He's not known for being an action star. Yeah. But because of the, his physicality and the way they portrayed that character, the way they wrote that character, yeah. I completely believed him. As, and I feel like, given that opportunity, I think Tom Hiddleston could do it. I think it's in his range to play a convincing, you know, tracker like the SAS hard man or whatever, but they just didn't bother doing anything. They just, just turn up and be Tom Hiddleston. I, and that was it. That's they, all he did. He just like, phoned it in and like... Who have we got in this film? King Kong? No, but like, who have we got in this film? We have a 150 foot monkey in this film. No one get that, but... But who else is... Got, uh, Sam Jackson? Oh, cool. Anyone else? John Goodman. Oh, nice. cool. Yeah, nice. Anyone else? This isn't an old man goes to Las Vegas for his bucket lists film. No. We've got to put somebody else in it. Who's popular? Tom Hiddleston's available. Well, that's Done. The, <clears throat> well, that's the thing. It's like I, feel, I feel like he did a deal because it was we talked about this. It was the uh, the casting director for Kong Skull Island. Is mm-hmm. um, someone called? Hang on, let me get a name up. Sally something. Sally Haley Finn. She's the casting director. And she's most well known for being the casting director for all of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So, which is an incredible feat. Like, a lot of people have sort of highlighted her as the Endgame's come out and saying that she's the true MVP of this whole franchise. And that's true. But it also means that she can do things like this in Kong Skull Island, where she can get a group of amazing actors and, like, big-name stars to turn up in a movie and then do pretty much nothing. Yeah. Because there's too many of them. I think that you could have quite easily written out Hilson and Larson's character. I think what you could have done is like stripped it right down, had it be a little bit more like um think of it like aliens. Yeah. And have it be all the soldiers' characters and then just the like um John Goodman's character. And John Goodman's character is a little bit like um what's his name? Uh Burke from Aliens. He's trying to get home, so he's, he needs to get yeah. proof of this thing. That's all he cares about, whereas everyone else is just trying to get out of there alive. Yeah, and it's... It would be derivative, I know, but it, it would be yeah, a lot stri- a lot more straightforward, <clears throat> wouldn't it? A lot more streamlined, because at the moment, it just, it dissects off into these different narratives. It's got the whole thing going on with Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston. They don't really get characters, they're just there. Then you've got John C. Riley, or they're I will two say... handsome fronts. Yeah. And you sort of go, Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson in this movie, you go... Oh wow, that's really cool! Like I've never seen them work together before. Be really interesting to see them work together in a film like this. I'd still like to see the film where they're both leads yeah. in, because this yeah. wasn't it. No, because they just there is no. I don't know who the lead character in this movie is. I mean, are you like it starts when they flash forward after they have that initial like World War Two bit? It starts with John Goodman's character, so he in theory is the point of view character, but then it switches out. And he dies like very sort of yeah. in, the sec- in the second act. Like I would have loved to have seen. That's the other thing that I think the directors talked about it as well is that he said he wouldn't be interested in directing Godzilla versus Kong 
but he would love the opportunity to make a movie that's about um, John C. Riley's character. Right. And just talk about that 20, 28 years where he was stuck on Scarlet and had to survive. Okay. Because that, that, and I'm the same. Like, when he told that story, I was like, I want to see that. I wish we'd seen that because it was, the idea was that he crash landed on Skyline with this Japanese fighter pilot. They became friends. And they, yeah, they were, the whole opening of the movie is them trying to kill one another. And then as a result of being stranded there, they obviously became friends and found a way to survive in this hellscape on their own. Yeah. Came across the, Abor- the Aboriginal, the indigenous people of Skull Island. Yeah. Developed a relationship with them, understood all the mythology of it and survived on that island for 28 years. And like, I want to see that. I want to see and that it's, movie. It's <laughs> just one of those mad things. It's like, like I had a lot of fun with this yeah. film. I continue to have a lot of fun with this film. I still couldn't tell you what happens in this film. I just if did. you if you laid it out in a line, I just did. I know you just did, but I couldn't. I can tell you there's a bit with a spider that's got legs that are bamboo sticks, and then there's a, a cricket. That's made out of logs, and also the creature design is really good. Oh, the creature design, the creatures, and the visual effects. Yeah, are oh, fucking the, unreal. The visual effects on Kong is unbelievable. Like the whole thing, the the giant skull crawler, the yeah. the practical effects that they use in the um, in the animal graveyard or yeah. the mass graveyard, as uh, Mason calls it. The, everything that's in it, like these giant water buffalo in it, this squid yeah. octopus monster that's there like all of these things look absolutely mind-blowing yeah but there's about that's about it yeah that's but i suppose it is just purely style over but that, substance but that is what you want from this sort of film i guess yeah. isn't it but then, but then and in terms of the style over the substance that was also evident in the leaning into the whole vietnam thing yeah and the, again it's really cool it's a really cool idea and, yep. and it's different we've never seen king kong done like this no um, but um, we haven't really seen a film like this before. I mean, when was the last time you saw... I mean, I know that Vietnam's a fairly tender subject for America, but yeah. when have you seen something that's like framed around it in this sort of way? Because America obviously makes a lot of like Pacific uh, yeah. World War II films, and they make a lot of... They do make Vietnam films, but they tend to be very, very serious. Yeah, that's that was a, a sort of element of it. But then I guess they managed to so in a little bit of that because I think one of the more fleshed out characters and I'm not saying he's fleshed out but he's more than the rest of them is um, Samuel Jackson's character Packard yeah he's got a whole arc where he does goes on this sort of Captain Ahab thing yeah and it's the idea is that he can't deal with the fact they lost the war yeah like, and he's got that bee in his bonnet and they do sort oh, of sew that in well, throughout said, there's that line that he's got isn't he so we didn't we didn't, we lose, didn't lose the war, the war. We, we abandoned it or? yeah and he blames like Brie Larson saying because people like you lost a supporter back home. Yeah. And that's interesting. That's like, okay, because that is a genuine, completely genuine thing. That is, if you look at the history of the Vietnam war, a big part of the issue was that it was the most documented and photographed war up to that point. And that's why they lost all the support back home because there was like all these entrenched photographers and stuff. And people, people back home were seeing what was happening. They were actually seeing, yeah, horrible war crimes being committed. Exactly. Which they had by never... their own country. hundred percent. Yeah. And it was there because of the advent of the media at the time. That it was right there in their faces, which mm-hmm. hadn't been the case in World War Two or, or you know previous um, wars. So that's an interesting thing to play with, and there would have been a bit of tension between him and the photographer. I still don't understand why the fuck there was a photographer on this mission. No idea. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> it, 
<laughs> but yeah, whatever. I don't understand I mean, why they were like. I mean, the thing is, like the seismic charges. <clears throat> why are there seismic charges? If if the, they have a theory that the Earth is hollow, why are they trying to blow big holes in it? Because yeah, then it will just fall apart, won't it? <laughs> It'll just crumble in. We found this island. We're going to blow a hole in it because we think it's hollow. Right, you know things are probably going to fall in that hole. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, but it's all right though because it's a really cool visual when they're dropping bombs and playing oh, yeah. Black Sabbath. Yeah. And there's that bit where the pilot's wearing the aviators and it's reflecting his eyes. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's really cool. Like, the visual language that's in this film is yeah. absolutely incredible. Everything else around it, like, the plot just serves for them. They, they, they need to get from one side of the island to the other. Yeah. They happen to meet John C. Riley on the way. Yeah. And then they get him home. He's he's got a good arc. Well, not an arc, but he's got a good character. Yeah, his character is good fun. He's good fun, and then, but then also what I like about it is that although he's good, he sort of because I think John C. Ryan is a really underrated actor. He's great. He's, oh, he's really amazing. really yeah. good. And well, we both watched um, Stan and Ollie mm-hmm. not long ago, and he's fantastic in that. There's a film that uh, we need to talk about, Kevin. Oh yeah, he's really really good in that. Okay, yeah, I need to watch that because um, that's Ezra Miller as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I, need, I definitely need to watch that. Um, but yeah, I think he's great in it, and like he does play like different levels. And he's a little bit so at times he's really funny, and at times he actually gets like quite sort of melancholy and a bit yeah. sad. And and but then that means that when they get to that final scene at the end, which they do in like a Super Eight video style, yeah. when he gets home, is actually quite effective. Yeah, and, and it, it makes feels me wish, really earned as yeah, well. But it makes me wish they'd spend more time with him yeah. and gone like right. If we could make it like a military style film and just have it be the soldiers come across him and do that and just get rid of the Hilston Larson characters mm-hmm. altogether. As much as I love both of those actors, they didn't really serve any purpose in this movie. No. Um, and I think you could have just stripped it all down. And that's the other thing. In my rundown, there's a whole load of backstory between all the um, soldiers. So there's Cole and then I can't remember the other guy's name. But they've got this whole back and forth. They keep having jokes together. Yep. There's a young guy who's with Hilston. They're all characters in it as well. But I don't even mention them in the rundown. And the reason being, they don't really affect the plot that much. They're just along for the ride. Yeah. I think <laughs> I love Cole's sacrifice. It's one of my favourite things I've ever thought. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> so good. Like, I do love a pointless sacrifice because it's always funny or shocking. <laughs> um, but at the same time, in this one, I was a bit like... Oh, he was a really cool character, though. Like, if they'd have done somebody else yeah. that was less dignified or had a little bit less presence. Yeah, well, I'll tell like, you if they'd have used one of the stuffed shirt, briefcase carrying monarch guys. Although they had, they, a few of them did die as well. What was it? John Ortiz. Yeah. He, he went out like a champ. Fuck me. For no reason. Just. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, uh, well, we need to. Right. We need, it's uh, four o'clock. We need to kill someone. Okay. <laughs> Who? Um, minority? <laughs> yeah so, they, so, so they, they killed John Ortiz yeah we do have a, we do have a bit of a standard problem there um, yeah, I'm astonished I mean, that they didn't fall into more tropes but at the same time like he was evil science business guy well no he wasn't I don't know if he was even evil was he because he, he wasn't he was Landsat and that again I think that is a really cool idea where, like, when they if they pitch the idea of why we're doing a Kong movie and saying it in the seventies and all the rest of it, they go, right, well that was when they launched this Landsat program, which is when the US started launching satellites and photographing the Earth. Yeah. They were like, right, well on that basis then, wouldn't it be interesting if they discovered an island that they never knew about before? Yeah. Skull Island. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. 
And again, in terms of world building in this shared universe, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And they do, they hint, they drop a little few hints in there. So we know this is set in the seventies. We know that the Godzilla movie that at this point we'd already seen is set in twenty fourteen. Yeah. And they make a point of saying that Kong is still growing. Yes. It's like a throwaway line. Yeah. But like for those of us who know where this is all headed, we're like, ah, he's still growing. He's 100 yep. foot tall now. And that means that what you've now done is you've built in a 40 year period during which you could grow more and more and more to yeah. a point where he could actually be. I mean, I think Godzilla in this universe is about 300 foot tall. Yeah. Something like so that. So he needs to do a decent amount of growth. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the historically. <laughs> When Godzilla tends to fight things, more often than not, he's a bit bigger. Hmm. But, um, or she, well, Godzilla historically is referred to as a he. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, when you get to like, as we'll talk about next week, Ghidorah and Rodan and stuff, they're all different things. But when he's fought King Kong... Kong's always been a little bit smaller, yeah, but he's been a lot more agile. Yeah, so I think they they make a point of showing what... easier to move in that yeah. suit. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. Because um, they make a point in this one about showing the way he fights, and it's quite sort of he he like uses brawler. Yeah, he's a brawler, but he also he uses his environment and he uses yeah. like tools. So yeah. he does the thing where, where he takes up the tree and strips the tree and uses it as a bat. Which is just fucking awesome. Yeah. And then at one point he uses, I think it's a, the engine of a chains, a, no, it's chains a, and a propeller. It's a propeller, isn't it? It's the propeller of an old, of an old ship, and he uses it as like a mace. Yeah. And like it's that kind of stuff that he'll be able to do when fighting Godzilla, which might turn the tide a little bit. Do you yeah. Know? Uh, which is quite interesting, to be honest, because I don't know how they're gonna end that fight well it's going to be it's like every other versus movie that we've had over the last couple of years they punch for a bit then they're friends yeah that's what's going to happen yeah it's true but then I but my question is what they're going to fight because I feel like in this next movie coming up which is the reason we're doing this grand rewatch is Gods of the King of the Monsters and there's going to be King Ghidorah and Rodan so the only thing I could think that they would have to team up to fight is King Ghidorah but, but already, we've already seen in the trailers that that's like the climax the, of this. Yeah, that's the whole point of this yeah. of this next Godzilla movie. So what's the... I don't know. Because I can't imagine that they're all going to build up to Godzilla vs. Kong and then end it there. No. Surely they want it to be a longer-running franchise than that. Well, Although I mean, they, there is the, the, the fact that they're bringing in some really big hitters and big names mm. for the second of what appears to be, like... Oh, oh sorry, the third... Yeah, in what appears to be sort of a quadrilogy, for the lack of a better term. Yeah, um, quadology. There we go. I feel better now. Um, but yeah, I, I like for for that sake. You're like, well, is it just going to end with Monkey Dragon Justice League, <laughs> or is it going to lead on to something else? Because they they don't tend to fight that often. No. Because Godzilla's got like this just litany of other things to go against, yeah, including Mecha Godzilla, which is would be good fun. <laughs> How would they do that though? I don't I, know. The, the only way that How can... are they going to do King Ghidorah? It was buried under the ground. He has three heads. It was, it was buried under the ground. Yeah, they found him. How uh, Mothra? It's a big moth. It's just frozen. It's tired. It's just tired. Just just having to sleep. Yeah. It's a lazy, yeah. big lazy moth. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, like, then... <coughs> I, I, I'm quite willing to suspend my disbelief. 
I loved any of these old kaiju movies when I was a kid. Yeah. I really did. Like, Gamera is another favourite of mine because it's just weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, Godzilla, Mechagodzilla. The, just seeing these done in a modern setting is almost like seeing the MCU for me. Yeah. Because it's just seeing all this just mad stuff yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, that inspired I'm... stuff like Power Rangers and everything after it yeah. came from these. Um, um, but yeah, and it's and, and that is something that, that Kong, <clears throat> sorry, Skull Island, definitely delivers on because, it, like you say, that is the focus. They know that's what you yeah, came here to see, exactly. and they will they will jump the logic or do, or do whatever they need to do to make sure that you get to see what you came here to see. Yeah, which is Kong kicks some arse. I remember we saw this at the IMAX. Yeah, and it was fucking awesome yeah and it was just like it, the visual sort of and not only that like they went to the, out of their way in terms of the the fighting and the cgi and all the rest of it but they also did stuff like they went on location yeah they actually filmed in vietnam and in hawaii and all the rest of it and it shows it tells that they didn't just yeah. do it because it could have been really easy to just chew it on a green screen if you yeah. or if, yeah, if, if the vast majority of everything you're looking at is a CG monster fighting a CG monster? Why need to? Why feel the need to go to Vietnam? But it makes such a difference, especially in comparison to the Godzilla movie, where everything's all the fight scenes are in darkness. Yeah. So to have this like fully well lit, and you can see it, and they they pan back, so that it's not like the Transformers movies where it's all right up in your face and you can't see what's going on. No. You can see exactly what's going on, and it absolutely delivers on that monster. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, definitely. Scratch that itch. I love the skull crawls are really weird. I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know why there's... Well, I think it's probably because they're a bit more mobile and a bit more threatening that you can have smaller ones and bigger ones rather than having dinosaurs. Yeah, I think he basically said that he wanted, he purposely wanted to not do dinosaurs because that's what Peter Jackson had done. Yeah. And like every other version of King Kong had done. Yeah. So they, they, go, they do go out of their way to make this one different. Yeah. Um, so there's no Beauty and the Beast story. They hint at it a little bit with Brie yeah, Larson. There's a like, tie. I think it's more of an homage than yeah. it is anything else. Yeah, but there's no like, oh, twas Beauty killed the Beast, and then they he's the eighth wonder of the world. They bring him back to New York. Yeah, none of that is there. They don't do any of that. No, they go. He's Kong. He looks after Skull Island, and they leave him on Skull Island. Big monkey Baldi. punches bad monsters. Yeah. Vietnam. He's a hundred foot tall. We're all in helicopters, but somehow we didn't see him coming. Until Sneaky. It's <laughs> clever. But he's like, there's no way for him to hide. It's Hollow impl- Earth, mate. <laughs> Listen, he's going to be three times that size. Yeah. In a couple of years' time. He better be, because this, this guy we're about to watch is... Three times the size. Yeah. At the moment, he's already bigger than most of the mountains that are around him. Yeah. What that fucking unit's going to be up to, I don't know. <laughs> It's like, did you hear? So there was an alternate opening for this where they were going to. Have you heard about this? No. Right, so the, the alternate opening for this movie, he was going to basically have it be that there were more, more than just two soldiers fighting. It's going to be a load of Japanese and a load of um, Americans, and it was either on a boat or a bunch of. Right. Whatever. And they washed up on this beach, and they're having like a full on battle. And then a monkey, giant monkey, comes through the trees and starts attacking them, and they all turn their guns on it. And then they kill it. Okay. And then you go, what the fuck? And then a hundred foot gorilla turns up. Okay. So yeah, I think he was basically going to make it look like the 25, because they reckon um, Peter Jackson's one, it was about 25 foot. Yeah, 30 feet. So they were going to have him come out 
kill him in the first five minutes and then have the big Kong turn. Oh, Jesus. And they basically said, you can't do that. It's, 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 it's disrespectful. disrespectful. And he went, fair enough. It's yeah. like, cool idea though. I'm like, oh. Yeah, like, it is really I cool. do kind of like that idea. But like, like, yeah, like the Peter Jackson King Kong, I still really rate it. I I'd really I need, enjoy it. I do need to go back and watch it. It's been years since I've seen it. I had the extended version. Oh my God. Which, and it's already it. three hours long. Stick with it. I really enjoyed it. Really? Really, really okay. liked it. Okay. Um, don't know why. I'm one of about six people that did. I, I don't know. I remember it being fairly well received at the time, but I think it's one of those that... Have... But it, it, the thing is, it costs so much money yeah. to make. Yeah. And the problem was it was so visual effects heavy that it put people off. And yeah. it's like, who's the lead? Jack Black. Oh, okay. And Adrian Brody. Oh, okay. Anyone else? Naomi Watts in it. Oh, cool. Anyone else? Andy Serkis does a lot in this. He really earns his paycheck in this. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And in this one, interestingly, they had Toby Kebbell did a lot of the uh, motion capture. Yeah, he did the vocalisations as well, didn't he? I think he did the vocalisations, he did a lot of the facial stuff. um, Because he'd he'd just come off having done Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So he obviously had a lot of training in how all that sort of setup worked. He was completely wasted in this as well, to be fair to him. Yeah, Toby Kebbell's a great actor. And he keeps getting shit. Well, not and, shit. He keeps getting given crap to doing, you know. And the problem is, is that I think he keeps ending up in badly written roles. Yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah. But also, it's one of those things where it's understandable. Because if you think, if somebody came up to you and said, we want to put you in the next Kong film, and you'd be like, okay, cool. What's my part? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're going to be this guy, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. And you'd be like, oh, Brilliant. And I think, to be honest, I think they only gave him that bit of a story was so that his name could properly be in the credits. Yeah, I rather guess Rather so. than have him doing some of the mocap and some of the vocalisations and some of the facial stuff. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I could quite easily... Because he's a British actor as well. I could quite easily see him playing Tom Hiddleston's part. Yeah. Let him have a go. Why not? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Tom or Hiddleston's already in the They could have had him... Like one man survival against it all, yeah, but that's what, fighting the way back to get to his son rather than killing him off screen. But that's like they, they had that set up. Like for yeah. the, there were a few scenes where he's on his own, and like you could have like set it up as being like yeah, dude, like sort of predator style, like ingenuity, like creating traps uh-huh. for the things and setting up a camp to keep himself alive. And because he has, they could have done more with it. But again, just rely on his wits and using his drive. Yeah. To get back and see his son but again, as a motivator. Because there are so many characters, there's not enough time for that. No. They need to cut more people out of it, and then they, it will allow it to have that stuff in there. So, anyway. But, unfortunately, it's one of those things that's going to fall by the wayside. Because if you've got a 150-foot gorilla, Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson. John Goodman. John Goodman. Toby Kebble. Who are you going to follow? think you're gonna follow everyone else yeah true. like and it's sad yeah because he is a great actor and i think he's amazing mm. but that is who you're gonna follow yeah and uh, john goodman does good in this as well i think he does he only gets a couple of scenes but it's, it's all law stuff so it's like he talks about the uss lawton yeah he's being, walking exposition um but that again like they hit very early on they talk about the the ship that went down and he talks about nuclear tests trying to kill something yeah which is another little bit of lore. Which is what they show in the in the intro to um, Godzilla. Godzilla. So it's it it quite clearly like in the first sort of ten minutes of the movie, well, especially after the prologue bit, sets up that 
if you know anything about this, you know it's part of the same universe. Yeah. You go, oh shit, that's so-and-so, or whatever. And I wouldn't be surprised, I haven't seen the 2014 Godzilla for ages, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do actually name drop that ship. Because I swear I've seen that image before where the ship has got the I claw marks so. inside of it. And it's like, it's, even I, if it's just an image on a, you know, in a file or whatever. I think or it is. I think, because I think it's all done in the credits, the opening credits, rather than anything else. Mm. Um, but yeah, saying about Monarch, um, Corey Hawkins? Yeah, he's another bloody character in it. Which he's another think. character in it, but like... <laughs> he's fine, yeah. again. Corey Hawkins plays Houston Brooks. That's a memorable name. They've all got such memorable names. James Conrad. Conrad. Preston Packard. Mason Weaver. Hank Marlowe. Bill Rander. Houston Brooks. Victor Neves. San, <laughs> Jack Chapman, Mills, Cole, Slivko. Oh, there's a character literally called Landsat Steve. Yeah. Great. Brilliant. Richard Jenkins is in this film. Oh, yeah, of course he is. He's the senator at the beginning, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Again, in it for all of six seconds. Again, this casting director is hot shit. Yeah. Like, she can get anyone. <laughs> yeah. But do it want, is. It's... What, what do you want? Iron Man for your birthday? You got it. She, <laughs> yeah. She's literally that person in real life. Like, um, but yeah, it's fucking bananas, really. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think you are going to know what you're going in. Yeah, and we do. Like when we saw the trailers and stuff, like I know this looks real dumb, but I really want to see it. Yeah, and I was like, I went in knowing exactly what I wanted, and it gave me it. Yeah, it, gave it, it did. Vietnam Kong movie. Yes. Yeah. That. Give me that. There's guns, there's helicopters, there's a giant monkey punching monsters, and everybody does some things. Yeah. That's, That's it. it. Um, and it, yeah, and, it, and it's very different from Godzilla, but it's yeah. in the same universe. They set yeah. it up, they've got the, all the monarch stuff. Yeah, and I think, I think, I mean, you'll, you guys, readers, are, you're going to hear what we think about Godzilla in a couple of days when we put out the next episode. But um, I think Kong was a was quite a good salve yeah. because people were like Godzilla's like a lot of people talking. Yeah, it's but that's lots what... of people talking and then a bit of action and lots of people talking. And I think this was them going, We're listening, we know what you want. We're gonna put it in daytime, you're gonna see a lot of the action. People are gonna talk, but the humans are pretty much inconsequential in this. Yeah. Yeah, and it and that's yeah, that's like I said right at the very beginning is that it shows that you can have two very different movies and they don't have to compromise one another to to exist in the same universe. Yeah, they don't. They didn't have to make a dark and gritty Kong in order to fit in with the dark and gritty Godzilla movie. They went no, we could if we put the connective tissue in there, it can be as much different as you want it to be. Yeah, I agree. And that again is something that Marvel has perfected. You can have you know Thor Ragnarok and. Um, Civil War, Civil War exist in the same universe, but mm-hmm. it, it as long as you, the, you know, there are ways to do it and have different tones. Yeah, but then, for, and that's the thing is that there is for every Ant Man, there's an End Game. Yeah, and the, so it does balance itself out, and then yeah. you get something like Guardians, which crosses both those boundaries. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see when they get the two together. Yeah, um, and see, I th- I can I don't know if it's going to be a case of God sort of Kong having to grow up. You see what I mean? I feel like this might be Skull Island might still be the fun 
like the lighter yeah. hearted of the of the set, if you like. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll have to find out. But before, I think we're pretty much done with. Yeah, I think we should probably sort of wrap it up a bit there. I mean, you know, we've got shorter episodes this week because. Kind readers, you're getting a double episode this week. Yeah, basically, because we we're trying to catch up in time for uh, King of the Monsters, which is Gods of the Two, and that's coming out next week in the UK. Um, it's been a bit bit of a packed schedule the last few weeks, so we've had yeah. uh, Pikachu, we've had uh, John Wick, and all those bit. But we want to get these done because we do really like these movies. So we're going to do uh, King Kong, and we're going to do Godzilla, and they're both going to come out in the space of the next few days. Yeah, uh, and then we will go and see Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and review that as well. So there's going to be a lot of <laughs> monster stuff in yeah. a very short period of time. Um, but yeah. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> okay, right. Um, thanks everyone for listening. You can find us on all the socials. Um, you can email us at theoncastpod at gmail.com um, and we'll see you next week for, yeah. or later on this week for Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. Bye readers. See ya. <laughs>